Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the announcement yesterday. Premier David mm-hmm. Eby, the tag team there with Vancouver Mayor and Ken Sim. Sim. That was interesting. Yeah, I've already detected a much stronger relationship uh, between uh, the B.C. government and Vancouver City Hall. You recall back in the civic election, David Eby endorsed Kennedy Stewart. Yep. And there was some speculation, ooh, will this um, sort of fracture or fray the relationship between him and Ken Sim and by all indications, uh, he's been meeting with Ken Sim. I talked to a couple of cabinet ministers yesterday who said they've been talking to Ken Sim and said, hey, let's go for a beer and talk about these issues. So I think you're seeing a level of cooperation um, between these two uh, levels of government that wasn't, I don't think, quite there with the Kennedy-Stewart administration. I remember talking to minister, cabinet ministers through the pandemic who were quite quite frustrated with with the Kennedy Stewart administration for always complaining about things and demanding things from Victoria. And it's early days, but you've got the two of them yesterday sharing the stage on a significant housing announcement, 90, 90 uh, modular units, uh, temporary housing to get people out of, uh, out of shelter and then get people out of the encampments. So it's a start. It's going to be a challenge, though. You know, I've discussed before, still not sure how this is going to work. But you're seeing now two levels of government working together in a way I don't think we saw before. Okay, well, let's listen to David Eby at this announcement yesterday. Here's what he had to say. Support services will be in place in these buildings. And another 90 homes will give people a safe place to live. This housing will help address the urgent need to create more safe, stable homes for people experiencing homelessness and it will serve as a bridge to accessing health supports and more permanent housing. So people may be familiar with these this modular housing idea. There, there are these kind of inexpensive uh, housing units that can be quickly assembled and put in place, right? And they've got, some, they've got some areas staked out where they want to put these modular housing. But I think one of the important things he said there in that clip was that this will have services, right? So the so-called wraparound mm-hmm. services. So if you have people who are mentally ill, they're, they're addicted to drugs, they're living in these modular housing uh, units, there'll be what? So there'll be nurse, public health nurses there to help them or what? There'll be, yeah, there'll be human resources, uh, mental health uh, resources accessible. Uh, I think also ensuring that they have food, uh, medical services and such. It's These are not permanent residences. No. They're modular. They're there for a temporary time. They open in March 2023, so still a few ways away. Uh, a few weeks away. And then the goal is to, again, establish these units in other parts of the city. Now, that's going to be interesting because they may ru- very well run into nimbyism once you s- start going to other neighborhoods other than the, the downtown east side. Yeah, and the goal here is to shut down the, the encampments. Like, you know, he has talked a lot, EB has, about the the tent city on the sidewalk in the downtown east side. Yeah, and Crab and, Park. Yeah, and Crab Park, too. So, I mean, you had the police, the fire chief in Vancouver months ago order those tents to be taken down on mm-hmm. on Hastings Street because they're a fire hazard. They're still there. Yep. So the fire chief couldn't get it done. He has said that he wants to take charge and clean this up. 
And I guess this is why he wants an alliance with the mayor, right? Because you need the city working with you to try and get this done. Well, I think right? yesterday's announcement is a reflection that you need all levels working together. You need the, the province, if not the feds, uh, with the city, with the police, with the fire uh, department, all working together on finding a solution. So yesterday was interesting. Again, a number of players from different units or different levels all there on the same stage. Now, can they replicate that in other areas and then eventually – Get rid of the encampment on Hastings and the encampment in Crab Park. But what There's is still nine, a long ways from that? Well, yeah, and the and the number of modular housing units announced yesterday ninety. I mean, there's more than 90 people living down in those tent cities. Well, I think, I think in terms of both of them, I think the number yesterday was something like a little less than 400 or around 400 oh. people if we're both encampments. So, right, right. Uh, it's going to need more than that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And Thanks. I'm not sure exactly. No, no timeline has been given from EB in terms of how long it's going to take to remove the encampment. Uh, both encampments, um, presumably it's going to take a lot longer than March. It's in, the interesting thing to me about EB here is how he has personally put his own personal brand on this and said, I'm going to try and get this done. I want to get this fixed and I want a deliverable on it in the new year. We want to get this, we want to get this resolved. Yeah, he's, he's so he's setting, he's setting a very high bar, like you've said, yeah. but he's also setting himself up. Well, what if he doesn't get it done? He's setting a high bar and he's attaching his own brand to a number of these uh, goals, whether it's getting rid of the encampments, whether it's uh, solving the housing crisis, whether it's solving the affordability crisis, and then the healthcare system is on, on top of that. He's, he's attaching himself to all these issues in a way that his predecessor never did. And we talked about this before. John Horgan let his ministers run. Yeah, Give him a right. long leash. You go out and solve these things. I'm not going to be in front of the cameras every day. David Eby is in front of the cameras all the time taking ownership of all these issues and, again, but, you know, trying to raise his profile. Um, again, he's coming in as a relatively unknown guy, even though he's been around for a while, didn't get a lot of airtime like uh, uh, John Horgan did or in Dix or Mike Farnworth. So he's a relatively unknown entity. He's doing well in the, in the last Angus Reed poll shows he's doing fairly well, yeah. but he's still got a lot of work ahead of him. But, but you're right. He's, he's carved out these issues that are some people think are unsolvable. And he's yeah, attached right. his brand, brand to them, saying, yeah. I'm going to solve them. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be fascinating to watch here. Now, Kevin Falcon, his main opponent, political opponent here, leader of the Liberal Party, speaking of that poll, there's, there's this new polling has come out that shows what? The Liberals still trailing the NDP. Well, well back, I think it's wow. 47, 34. I mean, it's a, a significant gap yeah. between the two. And also shows that Falcon is not known. And by those who know him, does not achieve a particularly high approval rating either. So bad polling numbers. So that's why there continues to be this speculation. Well, would EB want to go to an early election to try and take advantage of the situation? So listen to Falcon here. So here's the liberal leader speaking on a local podcast in, in Victoria here uh, yesterday. Uh, the Victoria Rumble Room is the name of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> so here is Falcon here uh, about this. Would he be, does he think EB is going to call a snap election? Here's what he had to say. Look, I don't trust David Eby at all, to be honest with you. So I think we have to be prepared for a spring election, uh, regardless of what he says. And we will be. We'll make sure we're ready for that. Okay, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, they should be always be prepared for an election at any time. I'm not sure they are prepared. I don't think either party is in particularly good shape right now in terms of organization and resources. Uh, and again, I still don't think David Eby is going to call a spring election. Here's one thing that people haven't factored into this. During that leadership race, a whole bunch of environmental activists signed up party memberships yeah. in, in 
in large numbers in certain ridings, particularly in South Vancouver Island and the west side of Vancouver, which means, in effect, they control the nomination process in those ridings. And that will be the case until their memberships lapse next September. So if an election were called now, those that party wing now, which is out of step with with the current party, this is not the David Eby group, could control the nomination and deny the nomination, renomination bid for a number of sitting NDP MLAs. Oh, wow. And that is something a lot of people haven't figured that one out. But that is also a factor why there's not going to be a spring election. Okay. I mean, if he was to do a dramatic flip-flop here and call an election after all, I mean, he'd have a, a lot of explaining to do. Because well, he's he on record. He's not doing There's lots of tape out there that yeah. we've kept where he says, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to the fixed election date, which is the fall of 2024. Okay, listen to this moment in the House of Commons here. Let's switch to Ottawa. Oh, yeah. And this is federal NDP leader... Jugmeet Singh. Now he's he's in there sparring with Justin Trudeau, and of course he's got a he's got a deal with Trudeau to keep him in power. But so that's kind of comical when he goes after Trudeau sometimes. But he's sparring with Trudeau, and have a listen to what he has to say here and the response from other MPs. Remember for Burnaby South, when I'm Prime Minister, I will keep my promises. Okay. Howls of derisive laughter. When I'm prime minister, I'm going to keep my promises here. I mean, I don't know. And then everyone's laughing in his face. I don't know. The poor guy. What else is the guy going to say? He's he's running to be prime minister. Well, is he running to be prime minister? Are the leaders of the federal NDP ever running to be prime minister? I've always struck, um, having covered the NDP here for years, they're always a, just a, a smidgen away from being in power or they're in power. That's that's the reality of the BC NDP. It is always a viable option to be in power. That's not the case in Ottawa, where it's always either a junior partner or something that's shunted to the sidelines. I mean, there's there's two power, two parties vying for power in Ottawa. It's the Liberals and the Conservatives. And so he opened the, he opened the door to you know the laughter there when he said when well, I'm prime minister because that's just not going to happen. I mean, you know every federal NDP leader sort of faces this. You know whether it was Jack Layton or I always remember Ed Broadbent. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd be asked, "Would you support you know Pierre Trudeau in a minority government or whatever?" And he would always answer, "I'm not answering that question because I'm running to be prime minister myself. That's what I'm doing yeah. here." So it's kind of like, what else are you going to say? You're a federal leader, kind of stuck. Yeah, kind of stuck with that. But you don't open the door by necessarily starting the conversation with that one. Yeah. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, welcome back. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. We were just talking off air, the, the story that's running on the CKNW News this hour 
Adrian Dick speaking mm-hmm. to our own Jill Bennett this morning, taking some shots at the feds. He sounds very upset with the Trudeau government here. This is over this impasse on health care funding. Yeah, the feds right? are... Are suggesting or trying to suggest that there was um, that they'd made some sort of offer and and such to um, meet the what the province is looking for and the province say no that's not exactly what's going on. so they want a, a meeting with the premiers want a meeting with the prime minister to talk about health care to talk about increased funding the feds don't want to give just a huge sum of money we're talking twenty eight billion dollars yeah. over to the provinces they want some strings attached yeah. the provinces so far are saying no strings attached. There's obviously some sort of room for compromise there, one assumes. Yeah. So a lot of this is uh, just, you know, arguing back and forth, and we'll see what happens in, in the new year. Nothing's going to happen before the new year, but per- January is another year. Perhaps we see a little movement there. But the prime minister, it's not just Trudeau. Historically, prime ministers are reluctant to meet with premiers. They don't want to put them on the same level as the prime minister. Oh. And so there's a bit of a little political dancing going on there as well. But we'll see the pressures mounting on Trudeau yeah. to at least, I mean, uh, Duclos, the, the federal minister, did meet with the premiers uh, recently. Um, they had some progress in the talks, but it ultimately fell apart again okay. with arguments because Duclos did not have a commitment to spend more money. Let's go to your phone calls. Benny in Abbotsford. Hi. Yes, this uh, modular housing that the government is building downtown Vancouver there is the best housing for people that are homeless and people that are hard to house. The prime example is out in Chilliwack. They got two sets of buildings out there. I'm jealous. For three seventy five a month, they get free Wi Fi, two meals a day, they could shoot up in the place, free electricity, uh twenty four hour security. I'm telling you what they get in downtown Vancouver, one of these uh, room rooming house, nine seventy a month. Check it out. Okay. In- in Chilliwack, you won't believe how nice it is. I'm jealous. Okay, thank you. Benny, Thanks, where have Benny. you, where yeah, have you been? have heard from you for a while, Benny. Benny, where have you been? <laughs> it's been a while since Benny called in. Yeah. I, I'm thinking he's being, I don't know if he's being sarcastic there, but I mean, you know, you tell me about this modular house. Yeah, I, well, I mean, if Benny's right about Chilliwack, I was, I was unaware of that, but uh, it, this may be part of the solution um, going forward. These but modular it's cost, housing. It's cost effective. Cost right. effective, and there's going to have to be a cost paid here by yeah. the governments to uh, allow this type of housing to uh, to be built. There is a cost to this, but it's a cost that is far better than just having people. But you mentioned what happens if there's a backlash in a neighborhood. Like they they identified a couple of sites there yesterday. One in the downtown east side. Well, one in right? Maine, one in 1500 Maine, which I think is Maine and. Second, if I recall, okay. and one on I think it's Austin Street nearby. Okay. Okay. So it's not compl- it's not we're not talking Maine and Hastings here, but right. we're talking Maine just a little. I think on the other side of the of uh, the creek. But now you start. He, David Eby started talked yesterday about other areas of Vancouver uh, having these models in place as well. Well, that's going to be interesting. Whether other neighborhoods are going to well, this uh, is another reason why he wants the mayor, that mayor and council, on his side. Exactly right to get these things. And first. it'll be interesting again. I do think that's an interesting development. The what appears to be a much closer relationship between Sim and Eby than a lot of people yeah. had anticipated. Scott in Vancouver. Hi, Scott. Go ahead. You got thirty seconds. Yeah, I just want to make a quick comment on David Eby taking control of the downtown east side. It's the first time I've heard a provincial politician actually step up and be willing to uh, sink or swim on this, whether it succeeds or fails. 
I haven't, I can't remember since Philip Owen, a politician who's willing to actually put their political life on the line for something. So I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. Yeah. He, he's, he's identified, as I say, several areas of public policy that a lot of people think are intractable, unsolvable things. And he's put his um, brand on that. And it's, I'm not sure he would necessarily pay a huge political price if he fails. But I think uh, it's interesting that he's willing to attach himself to some policy um, results that may be unattainable. Well, I remember Gregor Robertson at one point said, I wanted to solve the housing well, crisis. And, and didn't do zero it. homelessness. Yeah. You know, um, but he wanted, yeah, he wanted to end to, homelessness. Yeah. He yeah. wanted to eliminate he homelessness. He pledged to end homelessness. Right. So, um, so he 100%. tried. He tried, failed. And we'll see if this guy, he's going to try. Yeah, it's uh, it's not just um, downtown east side. It's health care. It's public safety. A lot of, lot of work ahead.